What up, what up, what up? You probably didn't miss me, but I am back. It's Adam Crowley. It's the early morning show, 93.7 The Fan, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. And via the phones, you know how to get in. You dial me up, I'll put you right on the air. 412-928-9370. The Penguins last night, they were leading until they weren't. And now they no longer have a playoff spot that they're occupying. Sidney Crosby asked by Josh Yowie, how about this question? You keep losing these games. Are you a fragile bunch? No, I mean, you know, it's not ideal when when you lose games and you have leads, but, you know, the only way out of it is to find a way to win one and try to get some momentum from that. So, you know, we can't dwell on, can't dwell on it. We're doing some really good things, so I think that's, you know, I think that's even, you know, more disappointing when you end up on the wrong side of things and you feel like you're doing a lot of good things and you're not getting rewarded for it. So we just got to stay with it. You do got to stay with it because if you think about these two Islander games, and it was a big three-game stretch over the course of the weekend, Isles, then Devils, then Isles again, the Penguins played well for the majority of those Islander games. They controlled play, shot attempts, all that fun stuff, and yet you come out on the losing end of things a couple of times, and in this one, it was just brutal the way it went down. You finally get Tristan Jari back. He mishandles a puck. You had POJ with a bad turnover, bad play, and all of a sudden, a game that you felt like you dominated, it was only one shot away, and in the blink of an eye, you're down, and then you find yourself on the PK, and the wheels all came off. That's why Josh Yowie's question to Sidney Crosby I thought was a good one. Are you a fragile team? You go back even to 2007, where the Penguins made the playoffs, then 2008, where eventually they made the Stanley Cup final. I remember watching some of those in-the-room segments, the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, whatever it was from. And the Penguins, they had their struggles. And confidence, when you don't have it, it's tough to regain it. And I thought the Penguins were on their way in this first Islanders game to regaining some confidence and playing their brand of hockey, and they do it again here yesterday, but you still find a way to lose the game, and you have to think it's a kick in the nuts. Right there in the balls. And the Islanders, a team that you've played fewer games than, you had a chance to bury, really, in the standings. And instead, they pulled themselves up into a playoff spot. You got the hard-charging Florida Panthers. You got Buffalo. They're right there. It's not going to be easy for the Penguins to make the playoffs as presently constructed. I believe Tristan Jari, when healthy, is a good enough guy, a good enough player, a good enough goaltender to help the Penguins get to the playoffs. A little rusty last night. I thought he played well until he didn't play well. That'll happen. But the Penguins are carried and buoyed by their top six. We know this to be true. If Ron Hextall does not get off his ass... If he does not make a trade to bolster the Penguins' bottom six, this is not a team that's going to make the playoffs. And if they do make it, I think Mike Sullivan deserves a ton of credit. We'll see. There's still a lot of time left, although that's dwindling right now. If they make the playoffs with this roster, even with the top six and Sidney Crosby playing as well as he's played all year long, I think Mike Sullivan actually deserves rose petals thrown at his feet. It's like the opposite to me of Mike Tomlin, what he did this year. 
He turned it around. They didn't make the playoffs. If the Penguins are able to make the playoffs and fight off some hard-charging teams with the roster constructed the way that it is, I think Mike Sullivan deserves credit. And I've heard some and I've read some on the interwebs say, well, hey, listen, Penguins have made the playoffs for a decade and a half. They won their championships. Sometimes, organically, you just fall off. And I do believe that. Eventually, yeah, you're going to fall off. But it didn't have to be this way. Look at what Jared McCann's doing. Look at what Brandon Tanev's doing. Meanwhile, the Penguins' bottom six is dog bleep. I think Ron Hextall has done a horrendous job. There was zero reason to pay Kasperi Kapanen what Kasperi Kapanen received this offseason. A guy who has only hit the 20-goal mark once in his career, and you wind up paying him six-ish million dollars over the course of two seasons coming off of what was a garbage year last season. I thought that the acquisition of Jeff Carter when the Penguins made that acquisition, when Ron Hextall got it done, was a good one. And he was an excellent player for the Penguins down the stretch. And over the course of the last two playoff runs, he's got four goals in each of those series. You could say he was one of their better players in those playoff runs. But when you protect that guy, going all the way back now to the expansion draft, and then whenever you give that guy the contract, that's where you lose me. Paying old guys. It's one thing if you want to pay Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. I get that. It's something totally different when you think the lightning in a bottle you caught with Jeff Carter can then be replicated at his age. And he has not been good enough this year. That line with Jeff Carter and Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapanen, I think you sadly make the argument that Kapanen's been the best player on that line. I don't think he's been good. If you look at the metrics... Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Not that I went digging for them. They fell into my lap. That's one of, if not the worst lines in the entire National Hockey League, among qualifying lines. What are you doing? Ron Hextall's got to make a move. And in years past, it was, let's make a move so we can be Stanley Cup contenders. Let's make a move because here's what Team XYZ did, and the Penguins got to match up with them, and how can they navigate their way through the Stanley Cup playoffs? Now it's... Make a move to make good the moves you made this offseason. It made sense to me to bring back Malkin and Latang. It made sense to me to pay Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel. And I will give Ron Hextall credit for getting Raquel back here or keeping him here. And I do love that move, did love that move when it happened to bring Ricard Raquel in. You need to make a move now to make good on those moves because the Penguins' top six deserve. To make the playoffs. The Penguins as a whole right now, they don't. I mean, they had these opportunities they've squandered now in two of the last three games, and I didn't think they were good, obviously, against New Jersey. You had chances here to bury the Islanders, and you had a chance to gain solid footing in the wild card race, and you didn't. And every passing day that goes by, every squandered two points, you wait and you wait and you wait for Ron Hextall to make a move. That guy, regardless of what happens, I'm okay with saying goodbye to Ron Hextall at the end of the year. But he's got to make a move right now. You set yourself up, you thought, for success this season by the moves you made in the offseason, or at the very least, you signaled, hey, we're trying to win. (laughs) Well, now you got to make good on that, because if you don't, you're not going to win. 412-928-9370. Hey, you're on the early morning show. Tim from the Tank Brigade here again. 
Hello, Tim. You sound absolutely joyous and wonderful on this Tuesday. Well, I mean, I thought with the extra day off, you'd come out with some hot takes. And, uh, ooh, we have a strong disagreement here. Uh, oh. The top six, yes, we really do. The top six of the Penguins have not do not deserve anything. You earn things. Uh, there's nothing that this team has done over the course of the season to suggest that they should be a playoff team. And if they are a playoff team, it'll be a wild card team, which means they're playing Boston, the best team in hockey, or Carolina, and they can't beat them. I think they've lost four in a row against them. Uh, Hexall hasn't been a great GM. He's made some moves that I've liked, some moves that I haven't. Signing Rust and Raquel was a mistake because they're not good enough to win with the roster they currently have. If, they, if they're going to lose with them, then you might as well lose without them. This team is not one, two, three, or four players away from being a serious contender. So there's no move that he can make that's going to make them a viable playoff team. Well, there's this moves that can help them get into the... Okay, go ahead. I'll let you do your thing. This is an official announcement. The Tank Brigade is calling for the Tank to the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. And I don't like doing it. But they're not going to get out of the first round. And just like the Steelers' goal shouldn't be non-losing season the Penguins' goal shouldn't be make the playoffs. So what do you do? Who do you trade off then? I mean, if you're going to tank, there's got to be something there at the end of the tunnel. Well, I don't like Mark Madden uh, at all, (laughs) but he said that we should sell at the deadline, and that's what I would be doing. I think Zucker and Dumoulin are both on expiring contracts. I am fire-sailing anyone that's available. Uh, and interested on expiring contracts. The top six that you have, you're stuck with. I'm not trading a first-round pick to get rid of a bad contract, um, but I'm, I'm clearing out cap space. I mean, they, they're, they are so high up against the cap that they can't even bring Ty Smith in to play some minutes on this team. Uh, they, they, need to, they need to clear house. So I am making calls to everyone to see if I can get anyone off of this team and I think that Rust and Raquel probably together are probably worth 10 points in the standings. So look at where they are now and look where they'd be if they took 10 points off. I mean, they are fighting for a playoff spot now, and they wouldn't be fighting for a playoff spot without those guys. I just don't think, and thank you for the call, Tim, I don't think you can pay Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latang to come back and then just say, ah, let's throw our arms up and not try to make the playoffs the following year. I'm okay with the end of the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era looking like the last five years have looked. I really am. And I know that that's probably not a popular thing. They are not in a position where they can rebuild. They really aren't. I mean, unless you move on from a Jake Gensel, who I think would have a lot of value, given that he's a point-per-game player and a 30-goal scorer, but... Where are these assets you're going to move from to accrue anything meaningful in return? You want to trade Brian Rust? Okay. What's that going to do? I mean, you want to trade Brian Dumoulin? Give me a break. I mean, that's not going to get you anything. Jason Zucker on an expiring contract. What, do you need a third, fourth round pick for the guy? It's just they're not in a position where you're going to trade Malkin because you'd have to waive his no-trade clause. You're not going to trade Chris Letang. Those are the guys that would bring back something of value in return for a rebuild. They need to try to make the playoffs. And I'm okay with understanding that the best that this core had to offer has already come to pass. But I am not okay with them being on the roster and just going out to pasture and not making the playoffs at the end of their career.
That I'm not okay with because they still can make the playoffs this year. With a healthy Tristan Jari, I know, knock on wood, get your cross out, your lucky rabbit's foot, they can be a playoff team, but they need their general manager to help them. Now, I did say I think Mike Sullivan deserves credit if they do make the playoffs. I mean, one thing that needs to stop is this Jeff Carter being thrown out there every night. Oh, he's our 3C. Just keep throwing him out there every night. Yeah, that's really worked well. Hi, you're on the early morning show. Hey, what's up, guys? Yo. Yeah. Like Bosman would say, they don't have any sandpaper, man. They don't have no Matt Cooks. They don't have Chris Kunz. They don't have any Hornquist. They're not hard to, you know, they're just not hard to play against. Well, and that was the thing that was encouraging last night, and thank you for the call, 412-928-9370. But beyond that, I mean, you need a third line that can be productive, that can play in the other end, and they just don't have that right now. And everyone wants to make it. They're not tough enough. Everyone wants to make it about goaltending. And, yeah, sure, they can't count on the goaltending because one guy doesn't stay healthy and the other guy plays well as a backup. But whenever you need him to be thrust in, he hasn't been all that good. But really, to me, it's that bottom six. If you can make that third line playable with the top six strength that they have, I think they can still be a playoff team. Sandpaper, yeah, if you can get a guy that can come in and be tough to play against, quote-unquote, sure, fine, that helps. But this team has a lot of problems. But that's where I disagree fundamentally with Tim when he called up. This team's not good enough. Well, how good are the Washington Capitals? They're not that good. And I realize Ovechkin's father passed away, so he's out for a little bit, and that's going to throw a wrench into things. I don't look at the Islanders and go, oh, boy, it's a great hockey club. I don't look at Florida and go, oh, boy, it's a great hockey club. The Penguins belong with that group. But by belonging with that group, you could also nudge yourself ahead of them as well. And making the playoffs to me at the end of Crosby's career, it has value. I want to see this team make the playoffs, and I don't think they have the recipe to be able to rebuild here unless you were to trade those guys, and that's just not going to happen. 412-928-9370. It's the early morning show on 93.7 The Fan coming up next. Sometimes perception actually is reality. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's the early morning show, 93.7 The Fan. Adam Crowley, happy to be back with you after a long weekend. Some rest. Celebrated those presidents so hard yesterday. Oh, yeah. Had a big Abraham Lincoln pinata at my house. Okay, that's not true. I didn't think about presidents one time. Sue me. Jeff Capel, head coach, Pitt men's basketball. He was on a conference call yesterday, asked this question. As a guy who's been around the ACC for a long time, you, you've seen the perception of this league nationally change. Why do you think the ACC is held in such low regard right now nationally? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't really understand it, You know, to be completely honest with you. I don't know if that Coach Smith, Coach K, Coach Williams, I don't know if it's because they're not here anymore. So the national reputation of that, Coach Patino, same thing. But I don't really get it. 
you know, when you look at the success that we've had in the NCAA tournament, when you look at the success we've had in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, if you look at what our guys have done nationally as far as coaching, as far as players, as far as talent, as far as draft picks, you know, all of those things, it's, it's, it's more than anyone. I don't think it helps when we, you know, have our own network. And there I was watching uh, when we were at Virginia Tech the night before. I'm watching our own network. And the, one of the first questions that comes up is, is it perception or reality that the ACC is down? I never see that on the Big Ten network. You know, I watch the Big Ten network a lot because my one of my best friends is coaches in that league. And so I'm watching them. And, man, they are always, always pumping the Big Ten. Always. And I, I think it's a really good league. But I think our ours is too, and I wish the people that represent us, you know, would have the respect and pump our league and be positive instead of looking at negative things. I think he's conflating some things here. The ACC has long been one of the best basketball conferences in America. There's no question about that. There's no doubt about that. North Carolina last year playing for the national championship. But what happened last year, what happened the year before, those things don't matter. It's this year. It's in a vacuum. Is the ACC Basketball Conference right now down? And I think when your own network is asking the question, I think that points out that the conference is flawed right now. I mean, Clemson was battling for league supremacy going back just a couple of weeks. They're two games back now in the ACC standings. This is a team that lost to Louisville. This is a team that lost to Boston College. By whatever metric you want to look at, Louisville is one of the worst teams in Power 5, one of the worst teams in college basketball. Boston College is no good. So Clemson has some clunker losses, and they're right up there near the top of the league. North Carolina is 0-9 in quad one games. North Carolina ain't what it's been, so that stinks. Louisville ain't what it's been, not by a long shot, so that hurts. Syracuse, they're not what they've been, so that hurts the league, and that hurts the perception. Duke... While they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they're not right now looked at as a national championship contender. They don't have Coach K. So there's four teams that are down, some of whom are substantially down. Then you look at the top of the ACC. Virginia, okay, they belong. And this isn't to say Pitt's not a good basketball team. Let's not screw that up. Yes, Pitt, of course, is a good basketball team. But I look at Miami, and I think they're a good basketball team, too. But you go over the course of their schedule, what they've done, the non-conf didn't help them. They didn't really play anybody in the non-conference. Pitt, they should be in the top 25. Well, they just showed you this weekend it's really tough to win on the road in college basketball. But Pitt going into the weekend had more losses outside of quad one than any of the other teams that are ranked. And they were in first place in the conference. So they have a lot of bad losses on their resume. They lost to Michigan, not a great basketball team. West Virginia, not a great basketball team. By 25 points at home, they lost to VCU. They lost to Florida State. They just lost to Virginia Tech, though that does not count as a bad loss because it was on the road. So when I look at the top of the ACC, I see teams that aren't as strong as they usually are that are headlining the conference just by resume, right? You look at the resume, you look at what they did in the non-conf, not great apart from Virginia, who's got a pretty good resume. So it's Virginia to me, a gap, Miami, a gap, and then you look at Pitt being right there to fight for the conference crown, and they've got eight losses. Most of the losses are bad. 
it's not a bad league. But it's not what it used to be. And when your own network is basically calling you out for it, shouldn't that tell you, hey, the perception is it's bad, it's down? Well, maybe it is just down for a year. That's allowed to happen. Now, the hope is if you're a Pitt fan, you take advantage of it. And they're not in any danger yet of missing the NCAA tournament. They can't afford to lose one of these home games before they go on the road and play Miami at the end of the season in a game that could determine the conference crown. But like, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that this is the perennial power ACC. It's not. And it's okay that it's not. You're going to have ebbs and flows. Maybe next year they're the best, the best conference in, in, in college basketball. Who's to say? But right now, the ACC ain't what it used to be. Now go take advantage. Go win the down league. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet, Silverado's, Colorado's back in stock with a great selection. Stop in and online at sunchevy.com. Rainy today, highs near 50. I'm not crapping on Pitt when I say that the ACC ain't what it used to be. It's just one year. And Pitt is a good basketball team. And Pitt is much improved from the beginning of this season. And I've said time and time again that I think Pitt, depending on the draw, can be a matchup problem in the NCAA tournament with all the shooters they have, their willingness to guard. I don't know that they're a great defensive team, but they want to guard. And you can hit open shots. And they can hit contested shots. I mean, that's going to help you make a run. It's what they were missing at times, most of the time, all the time, in the Jamie Dixon era. Those teams were built for the rigorous, difficult gauntlet that was the top of the Big East, and now they're built, I think, more for the NCAA tournament. So this isn't me saying, oh, Pitt's no good. No, Pitt is good, and they're in the midst of a down year in the ACC. They've got a chance to take advantage. If they win the rest of their games, they're going to have a shot to win the conference. And I don't care what year it is. I don't care who's good, who's not. You win a conference, that's a great achievement.